Watch it, boys racing. Yeah, we got get the hang of this, another weekly instalment of the Paddlers Pod. Hello, welcome back once again. My name is Sam Jordan. Mackenzie Hyenars is currently sitting on a plane somewhere over the ocean flying to Hong Kong, so it is my absolute honour to welcome back a family member here at the Paddlers Pod, Austin Kiefer, all the way from the US of A. How are you going? I am doing well, Sam. Thanks so much for having me again. I feel like I I might be paying Maca off to leave so that I can come guest host. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze for Maca, and I get a little moment in the spotlight. Love it. Well, you know what? He's actually going to get quite the surprise when he does land in Hong Kong as well because he did make the effort to say, look, we can record a podcast episode tomorrow. I'll have Corey in the hotel room as well. Uh, but you know what, Austin? I couldn't wait until then. And I especially couldn't pass up the opportunity to chat surf ski with you as well in what is a really exciting time for the sport. You're going to pack your bags and come to Australia in just a few days' time. How are you feeling? I mean, I'm very excited. You hit the nail on the head in the sense that it is it is a very, very exciting time to be a surf ski athlete. And the back end of the year and the season is really kicking off. And we've had races around the world. And now everyone's coming together to to race each other in, in one location, first in in Hong Kong and then namely in Perth for what looks to be two of the biggest weeks of racing surf ski may have ever seen. Gee, you're doing your work as well, Austin. Uh, not only did we have a lovely catch up on the phone this morning, but you also got to paddle in at the same time as well. Waterproof and sounded earplugs while you're out paddling about three kilometers off the coast, getting some runs. You are you are nothing short of remarkable, mate, to be able to do two things at once. I, I barely struggled to do one thing at a time, let alone doing two like that. You're incredible. I appreciate it. Corey would probably tell me that I'm not making that a key session, so it's a, a bit of a throwaway, <laughs> throwaway kilometers. I should have gone harder if I was talking to you, but uh, it, was, it was fun out there and it was nice to catch up. Austin, you're coming to us from San Diego right now on the West Coast of America, uh, and you've been watching everything start to unfold racing-wise in Australia, also in South Africa as well from a distance. How are you feeling? You're about to come back to Australia, what, for the first time in four years, I believe, 2019, your last visit. Um, you must be excited, hey? I'm excited. I think mostly I'm excited as a fan. You know, I, I've followed through COVID and then through the years as racing has gotten back on the calendar. I've been following from afar and, and kind of fanboying over the results and the races, uh, Worlds and WA Race Week and all of the, the various races across the world. And I feel like I get to get a front row seat to, to see it all firsthand this year. And I could not be more excited, A, to see all of these people, many of whom I haven't seen since pre-COVID. Um, and B, I think it's going to be absolutely electric racing that you will want to stay tuned for. And that racing has started now as well. That is what we're going to be chatting about here today. The first big race of the year 
or the season rather in South Africa, the Pete Marlin, and once again, it did not disappoint. We will also take a look at Hong Kong, which is coming up in, well, depending on when you listen to this, and again, depending on when I do edit it as well, Austin, that's generally what does hold us back as well, uh, is coming up potentially now, but it's this weekend as well, the Hong Kong Dragon Run, the first time in a few years that internationals have been back there. And given what we saw in South Africa over the weekend as well, is going to be plenty plenty of pace at the front of that field the peddler's pod power plays well it's generally south africa's most hotly contested surf ski race and once again the biogen pete marlin surf ski race did not disappoint the best paddlers in the country descending on east london for two days of racing day one being the singles day two the Sunday being the doubles, and it was a really fun downwind for everyone as well. And that didn't look like it was going to be the case the day before. I don't think those weather charts were looking too kindly, but when the race did start on Saturday, everyone was pleasantly surprised by just how good the conditions were. Number one. At the front of the men's field, uh, Hank McGregor and Uli Hart getting off to a flying start. They had a dice for about 12 kilometers, Hank recounts, before... Once again, the old dog of the sea did sneak ahead and managed to get home for another title at the Pete Marlin. He was just 12 seconds ahead of Josh Fenn in the end. Uli Hart third. David Mocker, the evergreen David Mocker, was in fourth. We only heard him speak about the race on the last episode of the podcast before. Hamish Lovemore, a champion canoe marathon paddler, posting the best result of his career in the surf ski, was in fifth place. To quickly run through the rest of that top 10, it was Matthew Fenn in sixth, Daniel Jacobs seven, Philip Smith in eight, Zachary Pricer in nine, and rounding out the top 10 was Luke Jean LaRue. Now, Austin, to start with those men's paddlers, Hank McGregor. He always just gets it going at the right time of year, doesn't he? It's incredible. I think it's such a huge inspiration for for me as a, as an athlete. He has always been on the top from the day that I started to now when I feel like I'm coming back into the sport after a little hiatus. Somehow he is a perennial champion and has kept the highest level of form across many disciplines of paddling. So as much as I would like to say, it shocks me to see him once again claim another SA title, once again reign champion supreme at the Pete Marlin. It's also not. I mean, he is the legend (laughs) for a reason. Do you know, he actually, I think it was about this time last year, He we did an interview with Hank on the Paddler's Pod. In that interview, I did ask him, how many national titles have you got now? And at the time, he answered saying that he thinks that was his 60th national title that he did win last year. I spoke to him a couple of nights ago for an article that I think would now be online on the paddler.news. Make sure you check it out. Don't want to pump up my own tires, but it's a pretty good read. But one thing Hank did say was that he actually got a call from people at Canoeing South Africa after that interview. And they said, Hank, we heard you say on the Paddler's Pod that you've won 60 national titles. Mate, by our count, you're actually well above 70 as well. There was a few early surf ski races that he had forgotten about and wasn't including in that tally. It's well above 70 now. It could be above 75. It's also a fifth straight national surf ski title, which Austin, when you kind of reflect on the last five years, that's going in and back out of COVID as well. So much going on in life, but... Hank's passion has him at the front. Now, in this article that I did kind of shamelessly promote there, again, check it out. Feel free to click some ads as well when you are reading it. But 
Hank said that there was a conversation that he and his wife Pippa had a little bit earlier on this year when he was trying to figure out his racing year. And she said to him, if you could only win one race for the rest of your life, what would it be? And he said, it's the surf ski world title. And she said, well, you need to do everything that you can to try and win that this year. You know, forget about Canoe Marathon. You've already won 11 of those world titles and that's what Hank's done. That's why he pulled out of racing at the Canoe Marathon world titles uh, just a few months ago. And it's why he is flying now. He kind of puts that conversation that I guess, you know, almost a bit of a reality check behind his really impressive form at the moment. I mean, that's incredible. The story that you told, you know, through the article that you wrote and the interview you had with Hank, truly chills. I think Hank, with that kind of singular focus on a world title in surf ski, given that he's been at the highest level every year he's competed, but also has raced pretty, I mean, what am I saying? Pretty. He's raced also at the highest level in the world in marathon and river racing. The fact that he's really focusing in on surf ski for this world championships in 2023, I think is scary and it's going to make for some incredible racing. One thing that I really like about it as well is that Hank has never hidden behind that too. Like he's very open and he's very comfortable in putting out there that he desperately wants to win a surf ski world title. You know, some guys like shying away from it, um, you know, trying to stay out of the limelight. Hank feels pretty comfortable with that. And he kind of said, look, it doesn't mean that I'm going to win it. But he said, like, I feel comfortable this year knowing that I've done everything I can after the world titles last year. He raced the marathon world championships, what, just three, four days beforehand of that singles race. Of course, they did race that a day early last year in Portugal. So look, he's certainly doing everything he can at the moment and it looks like it is paying off for him as well uh joshua fenn another really kind of impressive paddler starting to find this form he comes to australia so often he knows what to expect josh was actually third throughout most of that race and it was rolling the dice around that final point did get him the inside run on uli and actually got him almost up to hank as well so a little bit of no- locals knowledge paying off there but tell you what it almost hit me like a train when i saw the results austin David Mocker, fourth place. The evergreen David Mocker. How you, you've had a lot to do with Dave over the years. He's played a big role in your surf ski journey, mate. How how impressed are you? Isn't isn't it outstanding to see Dave just at the front of these races still after all these years? Just incredible. So David was actually the person who inspired me to get into surf ski seriously. I had been paddling for like two weeks. I did a race that used to run in San Francisco and he won it the year that I was, you know, first getting into the sport. You know, I paddled a Fen XT for anyone who knows the boat and I watched him absolutely dominate the race and, I just was blown away and inspired and wanted to be like David and wanted to try to pursue this thing that he was doing at that highest level. And to watch him now, he's really focusing on family and building a community in Fishhook and his business. And he's not even, you know, putting in a fraction of what he used to, to be the champion he was. And to go out there and and from what I can tell from social media, he was dicing with Josh for a lot of the race and yeah. and absolutely putting his skills out there and showing what a champion he is. It's just remarkable and and so incredible to watch him paddle with with 
such exceptional skill, even even when he's you know not putting in near the hours he used to be. It's really incredible. And just to round out that top five, given that you know we kind of have focused on a Hamish Lovemore, really impressive to me, Austin. Like we have seen him do surf ski races over, particularly the last few years as well. After you know being so incredibly successful, you know a world champion in the canoe marathon arena. Um, it's no easy task. Like, yeah, it wasn't absolutely pumping down wind, but a lot of skill was involved in this. And clearly he's been putting in the work in that as well. How good is that to see, you know, more marathon paddlers coming across and doing more time in the surf ski? It's super exciting. I mean, Hamish is incredibly talented paddler. You can see that in all the marathon and river racing results that he has clocked to his name. And, and I'm so thrilled to, to see him paddling more in the downwind and more in ski races. I think obviously as he continues to to dial in his ocean skills he's an incredible threat with the the fitness and the the training that he's doing right now now when you do look at these results for the Pete Marlin there are a few big names that are missing I think actually on the last episode Austin McKenzie and I were talking about Kenny Rice and how ripped he's looking riding what seems to be an endless amount of mountain bike races in South Africa at the moment we spoke about the return of Nicky Notton coming up well Neither of them were at that race, along with a few others as well, because it was the wedding of a very talented paddler in his own right, Stu McLaren, on that same weekend. Congratulations to you, Stu. But that did take out uh, some of those paddlers. So we were denied the chance to look at some of those guys. I'm sure that would have caught your eye. You would have been forensically, you know, being the world's most passionate surf skate paddler, looking at that results uh, list, looking for some of those names, right? Absolutely. I mean, I was shocked just following the race from afar to not see people like Kenny and Nikki in the top 10 and then to kind of learn through some digging and some social media searching that they were, you know, off celebrating a, a wedding. I, I'm, I'm so happy for Stu and, and I hope it was an amazing weekend, which I'm sure it was. But I think that there's a little bit of gamesmanship here because, oh, you know, now we have no idea. There are so Being many talented excited. South Africans. <laughs> and who's, you know, it's like we, we kind of get these races allow us to size up athletes and see who's really firing on form and who's really going to perform in Perth. And, you know, we have still a bunch of question marks, which I think uh, makes the racing in Perth even that much more exciting. Yeah, for sure. I know, like, no doubt a lot of those guys are at the Pete Marlin would have liked that chance to race against the reigning world champion in Kenny. So a former champion of the race, Nicky Notton, you know, Jasper Mocha, also absent as well. So look, on this occasion, Austin, love wins. Congratulations, Stu and Lee. Uh, all the best to the happy couple, but they have denied us uh, a little bit of happiness in seeing those racing. Thankfully, we don't have too long to wait until the whole racing world is together, uh, battling it out down under as well. Number one. Number one. Equal number one power plays for both the men and women on this episode. We couldn't split them. And that is because of the incredible performance of Kira Besta. She was so strong at the gorge earlier this year. At this event last year, the Pete Marlin, she was actually taken out and denied victory. But this time around, she would not be stopped. She claimed the 2023 title more than three and a half minutes ahead of Saskia Hockley in second. Then there was a bit of a gap back to Nix Burkett in third. Jade Wilson finished fourth, while Georgia Singh, the under-18 paddler, really impressive result for Georgia. She rounded out that top five. Austin, you saw Kira up close at the gorge. Now, that's a location that you know so well. I know that you were really impressed by the way she paddled. In fact, I think we did speak about that on the last time you joined us on the podcast. But 
to be doing this kind of paddling now coming to Australia, I'm starting to get excited. Like I'm really starting to look forward to see Kira take it to both Danielle and Gemma and Anna and the rest of the paddling world when they do get together in a couple of weeks' time. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Sam. I think Kira putting on a performance like that, winning by that margin, especially when we just looked at the men's and the the top three were within 12 seconds, to have Kira yeah. win by three minutes, I think it just shows a depth of her form and that she has been holding on to incredible performance and incredible fitness all year. I got to see her at the gorge this year and, and put on a performance against the reigning world champ and Anna in her home course and, and take the win there. So I'm extraordinarily excited to see her race in Perth. And I think this is definitely a, a scary message to all the other women who are going to be competing at, at the WA race week, uh, and worlds that she is on form and she is coming to perform. Yeah, it's the funny thing, right? Because like, when you think about the racing down under, it's a tough place to kind of come down under and adjust. You know, we we did speak about that um, at length with Michelle Byrne last year when she came to Australia in terms of just like getting used to those conditions again, getting used to that style of racing. But, you know, one reason that I'm really excited to see Kira get stuck into work down here is that she's clearly quite fit as well because the gorge this year, that was a real grind, right? It was a grind. And it's very clear. And I think what's exciting about this result in what was reportedly great conditions, you know, I think it was blowing 18 to 20 and, and just really wonderful downwind for the Pete Marlin. She's showing that she can do it across any condition. So uh, I think she is poised given no matter the conditions that show up on the the Sean Partners Race Week or Worlds, I think she's going to be ready to to really be up there for whatever the conditions throw at her. Hey, pretty incredible story out of this race as well, actually. Kira almost didn't finish the race once again. It wasn't the point that almost took her out this year. It was a whale. Midway through the race, she narrowly missed a breaching whale as she made her way down the course. And kind of what does it make this even more remarkable is that Kira actually had her ski destroyed back in Cape Town about this time last year, also by a whale. I don't know what's going on there, Austin, but clearly there's some kind of energy that's bringing the the, the kings of the ocean, the queens of the ocean her way because that is uh that is uncanny isn't it they must be frustrated they're like people aren't allowed to go this fast only sea creatures can go this fast we've got to stop her number Number one. one and although kira did escape the carnage this time around there was some who weren't so lucky the point at the end of the pete marlin lives in the nightmares of paddlers right across South Africa because it has claimed so many victims. Some of the photos that we're actually starting to see go online, there was a solid wave this year. Of course, Hank McGregor had been taken out at this event a couple of years ago as well when he was trying to run it too close. Josh Fenn narrowly avoiding it. Uh, Austin, I think I did see Lee Moran, the, the, the big wave charger. He actually cracked a couple of great waves, but not everyone was so lucky in this year's race, were there? No, I think I've I've done the Pete Marlin. I've come around that point to the finish, and it is terrifying. So the fact that racers are cutting like Josh the Tiger line and, and risking it all to to cut that corner and come in as as direct as possible to the finish, wow! It's uh, it's it's really it, in 
for me, it embodies the the South African wild kind of maverick spirit of saying, you know, no wave is too big. I'm going to charge, and uh, and I just think that that's whew, the pictures this year were were humbling. Austin, 250 paddlers in the race this year. Um, the Pete Marlin, you know, it, it's really starting to grow year on year in terms of the culture around it. It seems like a really fun atmosphere. I guess having been there, like. What is it about this race that, that everyone kind of enjoys doing so much and keeps coming back each year? I mean, I'll speak from my experience. It is an incredible stretch of coast. The, the East London coast there is really magical and they get very frequent downwind. And I think you combine incredible runs and, and downwind conditions with what can be, as we see from some of the pictures from this last weekend, some incredible you know groundswell and, and shore break. I think it just makes for some really rugged, what feels almost like uh, kind of an adventurous spirit style of, of surf ski paddling. So I think it's it's that highest level of competition being the SA champs and, and being this this very prestigious race. And then you combine that with, with the other side of surf ski, which is that, you know, uh, conditions that are trying and challenging and pushing you to the edge of what you're you're capable of handling i think uh the pete marlin really really provides both of those things oh it's such so well said austin um hey austin i want you to have a look at your phone as well have a look at your messages because i actually just forwarded you a photo it's a little surprise waiting in your inbox uh listeners we did speak about how red hot the racing is at the pete marlin and there is a shot of the very talented rising star, Luke Jean LaRue, who did sneak into that top 10 as well, with what I am labeling the most sunburnt arms I've ever seen in my life. For everyone who ever needs a reminder as to why you need to put sunblock on before you go out and paddle, I've got to get this photo up on our social media. Uh, it is Austin, have you ever seen anything like that? <laughs> That's, I, I thought he was wearing compression sleeves for a second. <laughs> That's wild. Sun safety. Sun safety, everyone. You got to make sure you do it. But to Luke, congratulations to you for at least uh, making not only a really impressive result, but a memorable memory too for everyone that was there as well. Um, and, and Austin, things are not going to stop heating up either. They are only going to get hotter and hotter, just like Luke LaRue's arms over the days after the Pete Marlin. Because when we are back after this in just a moment, we are talking about the Steel Case Hong Kong Dragon Run. We are so glad that this one is back and open to the world for racing, and it's going to be another classic. Well, on the last episode of the Paddlers Pod, uh, Mackenzie Heinard and I spoke about packing bags, making sure that you have everything you need when you're going out to race. And Austin, given that you are about to travel halfway across the world, I do want to make sure that you are ready to come down under and that you've got all the paddling gear that you need. What do you like as a packer? Do you ever, do you ever forget anything or... You know what? I actually have a, a pretty terrible story about forgetting something. It doesn't. It seems pretty benign. Uh, one day I forgot. I was just in a rush after work, going for an afternoon paddle, and I forgot my my Kobe shorts. And there's like the same shorts I wear for every paddle. And I was there, and the conditions looked pretty fun. Everyone was getting on the water, and I was, you know, I didn't think much of it. I just used uh, the underwear that I was wearing, and I was just said, you know. <laughs> I can't imagine that there's, you know, going to be that much of a difference. I'll just go for a paddle. I had no idea that I got out there and couldn't rotate in the bucket at all. I had like, I don't know what it was, if whether it was the cotton or what, but just like there was no, 
like glide over the gel coat and I just was stuck. I felt like I could never rotate or take a stroke. It actually terribly embarrassing. And this is when you get into your mid thirties, I think, I guess things like this just start happening, but I tore or at least partially strained uh, a deep glute muscle. And so now no, I'm like, no, 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 yeah, no. I'm battling uh, what's known as deep gluteal uh, syndrome, which is just like, the, the tearing and a slight like nerve pinching of the sciatic nerve as a result of not wearing my Vicobi shorts. So now as like a rule of thumb, I have like one stashed in my car in case I ever forget. So needless to say, I'm coming to Perth with at least three shorts. <laughs> Do you know what, Austin? Macra and I have been doing this podcast now for a few years, right? What are we up to? This is episode number 52 that we're up to now. Uh, there's been ads on every single episode, but I don't think we have ever had a stronger endorsement for one of our very valued sponsors than what you have just delivered about Vicobi and the quality of Vicobi paddling clothes. I guess that says it all. For everyone who, who is sitting out there who does not have a pair of Vicobi shorts, it could literally save your life. And, and, and I say life because at this time of year, you can't afford to have a session off the water. So we are thinking ahead. Head to vicobi.com and check out the full range because the shorts are just the start. And if you are coming to Australia and you are going to Perth for either the Shore Partners WA Race Week or the World Championships, Vicobi will be there as well. So say hello to Pat and the team. Try on some of those shorts and uh, I guess experience the proof. Well, it's one of the truly great races in our sport. And once again, the Steelcase Dragon Run in Hong Kong is back in business for all of the paddlers around the world. Now, COVID, of course, hit Hong Kong incredibly hard. There were really strict restrictions that did limit this race for the past few years. But for the first time since 2019, it is open to all comers and a really hot field is starting to assemble for the Dragon Run as well. Austin, before I start to speak about some of the paddlers that are going to be going to the race this year, what are your memories of Hong Kong? What, what do you, what, how do you feel about this Dragon Run race? Because Gee, it's iconic in our sport, isn't it? It is. I think the the memory that I have of Hong Kong is is like the difference in conditions that you can get. I remember I was there for the World Champs yeah. in 2017, and they that was when they decided to split the women and the men's race. So there was a you know I think it was on a Saturday was the women's race, and then the Sunday was the men's race, and the women's race was dead flat i mean absolute glass and truly the next day was one of the wildest conditions i've ever raced in and it was just you know honking swell big wind it had been blowing all night so i think for me it really i know it's a bit cliche but the conditions if the dragon rears its head it can be incredible and wild and very challenging conditions. Oh, I love that about the dragon. It's um, it's a good point too, though, Austin. Because, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, I love that about the dragon. But Austin, that, that variation—it's not just, I guess, from day to day. Even within the race itself, like if you get that wind blowing, you are going to have to punch into it for about the first six kilometers and and have it come across your boat as well. 
then you're going to turn and have that incredible downwind run. Normally, you have a long flat section at the finish, but I do believe this year they're actually finishing in on the Stanley side rather. So you're actually going to take those runs a little bit further before cutting into the finish as well. So a new finish is going to be interesting to see what is served up for the paddlers there. But what we do know for certain is that it is going to be a hot field. Some of the paddlers that have now descended on Hong Kong, Corey Hill and Mackenzie Heinard from Australia. We have Hank McGregor and Josh Fenn, among a few others going from South Africa as well. And then the Europeans too, Gordon Harbrecht and Klaas Gebhardt are both there from Europe as they make their way down to Australia. Even having those three different groups, that's going to be not only an incredible race for the Dragon Run, but it's, it's a really interesting yardstick for what we're going to see as well. I think you're absolutely right, Sam. What's interesting about the Dragon Run is just like you said, there are three distinct sections where you're doing some upwind, you're doing some kind of crosswind with a lot of turbulence and rebound. Then you have your downwind section. And there used to be a fourth section, which was, you know, the flat or like sidewind. But yeah. if, if they've cut that out, it's a really interesting... I think yardstick, like you said, to test athletes and, and see, are there any holes? Are there any weaknesses going into the races in Australia? And I'm very excited to see how all three of these groups compete against each other because we really haven't seen it at this level at all this year. So it really is going to be uh, the appetizer for, for what we're going to see for the, the next two weeks in Perth. Oh, for sure. And in fact, Corey Hill kind of foreshadowed a little bit on his social, me social media channels this week, posting a photo of him and Hank McGregor uh, dicing at what I think was Molokai saying, there's not many races that I can remember in my life where Hank and I have not been like this at some point in the race. And I can't wait for more of that over the next month. And you know what? I, I do think we're going to see that kind of reignite here in Hong Kong too. Corey, it's a race that he loves, you know, as much as any other the Dragon Run. He's had so much success there over the years, a four-time champion. And it's because he loves that first six kilometers when it's really messy and you're punching into it. I think, you know, without knowing exactly what he's thinking this year, like he loves to get away early and he likes opening a gap coming into that turn to then have a little buffer as you start the downwind run. I think everyone knows to be on alert for that, but it's one thing knowing it's coming and another thing stopping it. That battle is going to be so interesting. And like, I think it's probably the lazy position, Austin, to take that you look at maybe someone like Gordon and go, well, you know, Corey's a surf Ironman. He's grown up racing in those really choppy, messy, sloppy conditions. But like Gordon spends a lot of time paddling on the Baltic Sea, punching into that wind. And I guess just by the fact that he is so strong, you would think that if he's able to find that rhythm, he will be able to go with those guys in that messy section as well. Yeah, and I think Gordon really got unlucky last year when it came to the doctor coming down with some sickness. So I feel like there's also a bit for him, you know, chip on his shoulder. Not that he has to prove anything to anyone. He's an incredible athlete and has proven he's a champion. But I can't imagine that there's not a little part of him that really wants to show that he is the ocean champion and the waterman that we know him to be on the biggest stages. So I look very much for him to just try to make a statement here in Hong Kong and, and kind of be up there with, uh, with the leaders. A little bit of sibling love. We'd love to see Maka go well, wouldn't we? 
who knows what Maka can pull out. He could easily win this race and he could easily easily finish outside of the top 10 if he's not switched on. I mean, Maka, I just learned of his foot injury or his broken yeah, foot incredible. that he's been dealing with. So I'm very curious to see. I know he's spent a lot of time on the Erg, but the Erg is a very different beast. So I'm ex- super excited to see what he can do off an injury. Uh, and I, I know that when he fires... Uh, people should watch out. So we'll, we'll. I'm super excited to see if if Hong Kong is one of those one of those performances from him. Look, uh, I, don't tell him this, Austin, and uh, everyone listening at home. Don't don't tell him this either. But I've been really really impressed by just how well he's actually been able to paddle and train through having his broken foot, and the fact now that he's got his boot off and he's able to start kind of jogging again, and now he's actually kind of able to get into training without fear of you know aggravating that injury i think he's actually a lot further ahead of where i thought he was going to be this time of year look he and like so many others is is kind of targeting it all to the world championship so i think a month of paddling and racing yeah i think he could be in the mix come the end of it there um as for this weekend austin it's still a little bit unclear at this stage what female paddlers have made the trip to hong kong and will be lining up um you know some of those front runners were spoken a bit about kira best and now we are hoping that, you know, maybe she does get to, to Hong Kong and, you know, certainly, I guess, anyone that is traveling from South Africa in the next week for the Shore and Partners WA Race Week, well, it actually makes sense to fly through Hong Kong anyway um, as you're making your way down under. So we're unsure exactly who's lining up. I know Gemma Smith won't be going to the Dragon Run, but either way, Austin, like, this is a really good opportunity to kind of start that routine of racing because it is a lot to handle as a paddler, right? Like, there is what eight big races in the next nine big races in the next kind of four weeks of paddling it's it is a lot to deal with it is and i i hope i hope that that she's going to be able to make it across and that she is that kira is going to be able to race in the dragon run i know that you know when when i've done the dragon run and then gone to perth it's it's a great staging race to not only get over most of the jet lag, but also just kind of get used to being on the road. Um, and I often found that, you know, the dragon run for me was, I had a lot of cobwebs to blow out and then I was actually feeling on form when it came to Perth. So I hope Kira's gonna be there, not only so that we can see her line up in another race, but also, you know, hopefully just to set her racing up uh, for the, the most success possible. And I'm also curious, you know, is DMAC gonna make it a performance uh, appearance here? Because I haven't seen, you know, much of her. I know she's been focusing a lot on the the sprint side of things, but you know, as the reigning doctor champion, I'm I'm really looking to see what races she chooses to to line up at, and and I would love to get an early uh, showdown between her and Kira if they both end up doing the dragon run. Oh, absolutely, it would be so good. One female paddler that is actually confirmed that we do know of is Michelle Byrne. Now, Mish didn't race last weekend at the Pete Marlin, and. She's going back to Australia, kind of, you know, like what we mentioned before about uh, Gordon getting sick at the doctor last year, Mish kind of the same thing happening to her. She came so pumped up last year, you know, and and no doubt that that fire is still burning. This would be a really good opportunity to get a look at Mish as well, because, you know, we haven't seen her do a lot of racing in this past six months. Austin, you know, what you know of Michelle, gee, if that win gets up, well, anywhere, she's going to be incredibly hard to stop. You make a great point. I know that she... She raced, I mean, she's an incredible downwind athlete, one of the best in the field, and I know that she was looking to perform on the biggest stage of the doctor last year and unfortunately got robbed due to sickness or at least robbed 
for the opportunity to put her foot on the line at, mm. in top form. So that's a great point. She really hasn't made that many appearances, at least for the races that I followed this year. So I'd be very curious to see, you know, how she's paddling at this stage and really get a sense of what she's going to be looking to do over the, the two weeks of racing in Perth. But that that's a name that if there is wind or really any conditions of any kind, she is going to be someone who you got to mark on your podium list. And we cannot wait to talk through all of the results from the Steelcase Dragon Run in Hong Kong on next week's episode of the Paddlers Pod. But in the meantime, Austin, you've got to get packing, mate, because you are about to be down here in Australia alongside us. Hey, I've got one question for you before you go. And I did ask Macra a similar question without notice the other week. But Austin, you're about to have a reasonably, well, actually to Perth, a very long haul flight to get here. Do you have anything flying wise that you like to do? Any secrets up your sleeve that makes the trip, a bit of traveling that little bit easier? Because the surf ski world is about to descend on Perth. And I reckon there's a few people out there that could, that could do with a few tips now as they're about to make their journeys. Yeah, I actually read some interesting uh, journal publications about research done for athletes uh, in, in terms of prep for travel and how to perform at their best. I think a lot of this is is largely intuitive. Um, but what was a couple interesting things that I found was start not I know kind of the idea of, of backing off your training a little bit so that you don't go into travel really beat down and a little bit more susceptible to pick up a bug of some kind or, or illness that you may not be exposed to and maybe your your immune system is a little less capable of fighting off but what was interesting as well is they talked about trying to bank sleep uh, before a long travel, especially one where you're going to lose sleep. So it's not just about dropping your training load a little bit, but it's also about trying to sleep as much as you can in those days leading up to your travel so that the body's not going in in sleep debt uh, into travel, which is going to certainly disrupt your sleep. You heard the man, everyone. Go to bed. Night, night. night. <laughs> uh, Austin, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> I'm glad I asked that question because that's some really good advice, mate. I am so excited to see you. It's coming up very soon. And again, thanks so much for your time today on the Paddlers Pod. You always just jump in without notice, Austin. God, we love your passion for surf ski. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me. It's a, an absolute pleasure to, to talk surf ski beside you. And I could not be more excited to see everyone who I largely haven't seen since 2019 and, and to get out there and, and share waves and runs with everyone and then have a whole host of opportunities to line up against the best in the world. So good. Uh, what, what's Macca's line? He normally says uh, about now, take care, everyone, uh, stay safe and enjoy. I think that, I think that. Headless Pod with Sam and Macca.